0: Welcome back again, the second week as we've been listening to Roderick. Uh, We're sitting in the room here in Goa in India. We've been having a fabulous time together. And um, Roderick, thank you so much for your encouragement with intimacy, producing fruitfulness. Uh, I think the challenge for us as I listened to the podcast from last week is uh, really uh, moving beyond our idea that methods produce movements. To the idea that the uh, spirit and relationship with God, immersing ourselves with God, uh, will take the most simple and ordinary person and help them become witnesses and to multiply. Moving on from that, how does that um, uh, simple, ordinary person then multiply uh, into groups and, and because uh, in the movement you see uh, generational growth for, for groups going uh, all over the place, um, and, and they're not gathering around you. Um, and so there's a, there's a generational growth of both the pass on of the Word of God and the Spirit of God and the power of God. But if you're doing that with uh, ordinary believers, not seminary-trained pastors— what does that look like? What are the keys for multiplication there?
1: Thank you, Brother Dave. Thank you very much for this immense privilege for me to be able to share with a broader community of friends that love the Lord. Greetings to you all, my brothers and sisters, from the depth of my heart. It's uh, an amazing privilege for me to be able to bring my word to you. What we began discussing last week was a question to answer how this movement has begun and what's happening in India now what we did not touch then was the intentional training there is no doubt to the fact that a Christian in deep intimacy is highly super contagious but if in the absence of intentional training, they might make more mistakes, they might not multiply as we expect, or uh, simply their capacities are limited, or they, may, they might end up making more errors and go for trial and error, trial and error, and complete the cycle by incurring so much of loss. So if we want to avoid all that and fast forward and take advantage of the immense harvest force we have in shape of first generation Christians, uh, the role of leadership is to get intentional about training them. So the scripture tells about milk, two kinds of milk. First, grow as babes drinking milk. And in the end, there is a scolding that comes. You still require milk. Mm. You're not even on meat yet. So from the need of craving for milk to a stage where you need to go on to meat, we need to understand what milk is. Milk is simply pre-digested food. We had that when we were in the womb of our mothers. They had their meals, and they digested meal for us, which reached to us and provided us nutrition. And when we were born, we sucked that same nutrition in form of milk. So any movement leader or any ministry, they function as a mother to eat and digest the meat, which which is the word of God and provide it to the next generation, feeding them for a spiritual nurture. So we need to get intentional about it, intentional about training our people right. Uh, I'll, share an, uh, uh, I'll share a testimony, but before that, I'll make a statement on your seminary graduation. Seminaries, they do graduate. They give lots of input and work so hard in teaching their students. But in most seminaries, when we look at the curriculum, is theory. And a huge percentage of that theory is not of use in day-to-day life in the mission field. So most of the theory gets finalized in form of a certificate that they carry and the title they carry with it. It doesn't get used on day-to-day ministry life. What is needed is we need to see what the field requires in terms of teaching of the scriptures. What they need to know. Come up with that curriculum. So I worked on that for, for at least two decades to find out actually what the field requires. We you can imagine we taught so many things and how many of those subjects we trashed. It wasn't the requirement of the field and came up with more new and finally finalized what we believed was required at the field level. So that's what I would call intentional training and there is a there is an experience behind it. Um, back in the uh, early 90s, uh, uh, in 93 or so, I was in a slum. We had no means. We would walk miles in Delhi just because we couldn't afford a few cents to take bus ticket. So I'm trying to say we had no, nothing. And uh, those slum dwellers, are believers, they said, let's hold a huge healing crusade. Mm-hmm. I said, if you believe for that, let's do it. Mm-hmm. So they went from everyone's home to home. They collected whatever offering they could come up with. So we had little money, and I did nothing. I just went into fasting, I straight went into fasting. And they hired a government community center that had a piece of land with it, and hired a very simple microphone, and went from house to house, said, our leader is going to pray for you. So thankfully, I did not listen to what they had to say. They went on saying, if you don't have eyes in your socket, they will come back. (laughs) If you have limbs cut off, they'll grow up. (laughs) Uh, So they said all kinds of uh, message of hope. So lo and behold, on the first day, I was astonished to see about 700 people gathered in the ground. And uh, I preached a little bit and we sang and worshipped and preached a little bit and prayed. Lots of people were healed. And uh, we announced tomorrow we will do it again. Next day, the crowd multiplied to over 5,000 people. And uh, amazing healings happened. I'll come to one of those. While I was ministering, I pointed out to a woman and uh, invited her forward. By now, dozens of people had been healed. A guy walked back with his wheelchair on his shoulder after being on it for 25 years. Nobody ever thought he would walk. But he lifted up his wheelchair, put on his shoulder, went back. Now, I invited this woman. I said, you have fever? She said, yes. I said, "Your whole body is aching. She, she said, yes. That's what the Holy Spirit had shown me. And now I lay hand on her and pray and ask her, how are you? And she says, I'm not healed. Mm. So you might be interested in knowing the failure story. So here it is. <laughs> and in millisecond, I saw the faith of the mob was lifted away. Everybody began to, began to talk and it was all restless. Now, what do you do when your demonstration in public is not a success? So I said, OK, don't worry, we'll just sing a song. And as horrible a singer as I am, you will know if I sing, <laughs> I began to lead people in worship and have them sing behind me, after me. So, but in my heart, I was so much under burden. These are thousands of people. If I fail, the next thing is they're going to stone me. We'll not make it back home. And uh, in seconds, the Lord showed me and I stopped people and asked her, does she had any armlets, charms or armlets in her under her blouse? She said, yes. And she reached out and plucked it and tossed in the air. As soon as she plucked out and tossed in the air, she began to scream and yell I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed, and she was jumping and dancing. I'm healed. And when the mob saw this, they began to reach out to their own, pluck it and toss in the air. Women began to reach out to the babies, chew the thread on their neck and throw it.
0: Now, for those in Australia, what what do those threads so, represent?
1: Okay, uh, one go, one when. Uh, for seeking this spiritual remedy or a relief or healing, one goes to a witch, witch or witch doctor. So what witch doctors do is they kind of put some blood or something and make a fold paper and make a little bit of thing and tie it in a small piece of cloth and tie it in a thread, strong thread, which people tie on their neck or on their arms so those are armlets or uh, uh, neck uh, tawij. It's called tawij. So that's what it is. So pe- they may have paid millions of dollars of worth to hundreds and hundreds of these doctors to obtain those. And people began to take off and throw and toss in the air. And everywhere I saw people spontaneously sh- shouting, "I'm healed of this! I'm healed of this!" Same group of people, thousands. And when the thing was over, our team went and collected about two sack full of these. Wow. I felt such a heavy anointing and came back home. Next morning, I took my Bible and went away in a corner, tried to pray, tried to, tried to worship the Lord. And as if God wasn't there. And I struggled. Uh, you might remember some of, the, those, some of those days with you, when you tried to reach out in the presence of God and start there. So I was kind of trying to reach out, and God wasn't there. I was trying to worship, trying to pray, trying to uh, pray in tongues and uh, uh, read Bible. Bible was only words, and my words were only words. I had lost God completely, and I struggled. My wife, I, I told, told her not to disturb me. I'm not having breakfast. Just leave me alone. Ignore me completely. But she was, she was used to. And I was weeping and crying. I began to repent. Lord, if there is any sin, I'm going to repent. Please let me know what my sin is. Where have I grieved you? I was so, so sorry and worried. Where I have I grieved Holy Spirit? What was my sin? And when I struggle for quite some time, I hear that still small voice. I can use you in greater degree, like I did last night, or I can use you to build a harvest force if you put yourself behind them and serve them. And I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I repent. Repent for my secret pride. Uh, I'll spend the rest of my life to build the Harvest Force that love and honor and respect the Holy Spirit. And that was my turning point. And from that day on, I stopped seeking a stage and I spent, I started seeking most simple people, most simple faces, and did my best to dig the scriptures, learn from here and there, learn from everyone, learn from the scriptures myself, and prepare notes and write the lessons and began to teach them. Taught and taught, I have taught. We have trained so much. We have trained master trainers, we have trained second-line trainers, we have trained third-line trainers, and we have a huge fleet. Even right now as I sit here, a training is going on in northern Rajasthan, uh, an intensive training course where I am not present. And, uh, but Dave, you have seen some of those lessons when we were together in Switzerland.
0: Fantastic. So your role as a leader shifted from someone who uh, was preaching and uh, on the stage and God moving powerfully in a crusade kind of uh, context.
1: Probably I I was being drawn to that. I had not been in it too much already. Mm -hmm. But uh, if this did not happen, I I might have been seeking more stage in future as a lone ranger
0: uh, power mover yeah. guy. And, and you then committed to get behind the harvest workers and catalyze, basically, yes. as many workers into the harvest field. Tell me, Roderick, what's the difference between a convert and a disciple? Oh, my goodness.
1: Do you really want to hit the nail? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. A convert is... Someone whose sins are forgiven and transgressions are covered has passed from death to life. Whose sins are forgiven. He has believed in Christ and has been born again. Is a child of God by placing his faith in God and has been redeemed by grace of God. His sins are forgiven forgiven. And if he dies, will make it to heaven. That's a convert. To be a convert, all you need to do is To believe in Christ and receive Him and the gift of salvation. That is yours, and you are a child of God. Totally washed. But I I hope so much that that would make one a disciple. Mm -hmm. Because, in my understanding, a disciple is someone that fulfills the conditions of being a disciple that Christ himself laid. And I'll read some of those conditions of discipleship. Cross-bearing. Unless you bear your cross, you are not my disciple. Cross is shame, pain, loss, rejection. So many things about cross. One doesn't need to carry a piece of wood, but all these that Jesus went through is cross-bearing. And self denial. Matthew sixteen four twenty four. Supreme love for Christ. Luke fourteen twenty six. If anyone doesn't love me above, then Jesus lays all the relations, is not worthy of being my disciple. So one has to have supreme love for Christ. Forsaking all Luke fourteen thirty-three. No turning back after laying your hand on the plough. Luke 9 62 being steadfast in the Word of God John eight thirty one loving one another John thirteen thirty five being fruitful John fifteen eight if you bear much fruit by this you will be my disciple and a fruit of disciple essentially is not another disciple the fruit of disciple is not a disciple The fruit of disciple is a disciple maker. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's one step forward. Let the dead bury their dead. Uh, Again, Luke chapter 9. Uh, Paying the price, Luke chapter 14, verses 28 to 32. Follow to intimate Christ. Intimacy. Matthew 10, 24 through 25. Luke 6, 40, following no material gain, Matthew 8, 21. Now these are the conditions Jesus laid. If you do this, only then you are my disciple. So all that claim themselves being disciple of Christ, just by the virtue of being born again, don't understand the strong conditions Jesus laid for one to be a disciple.
0: So when you look at Western Christianity, and you jump into that space, uh, I, I clearly remember being with you, and uh, someone uh, was with you, um, and they brought their whole community together with you, and uh, together they decided to follow Christ. They decided. And, um, and you made this comment to me, today she has become a disciple because uh, she learned how to multiply. That stuck in my head. So when you jump into uh, Western Christianity, now obviously there's a whole spectrum, and many people in the West are disciples, disciple-makers that are trying to do this. But generally speaking, we see a, um, not not that picture. Um, what's your perspective uh, on, on that? So why would
1: I go as far as as saying that unless you are a disciple maker, you're, an, you're not a disciple. Why? Jesus said, bear much fruit. By bearing fruit, you will be my disciple. So, to understand that, I would often use a question. What is a fruit of apple? And uh, my friends listening to me, you will right away respond saying an apple. A fruit of apple is apple. It's just a simple response. I get this. I had this response in a mission, missions conference where there were 2,000 missionaries. And all of them said, in one go, I asked mango, what's the fruit of mango? They said, mango. I said, shout out loud, they said, mango. Now, I want to have those apples that produce more apples. You would never in the world find any apple That would produce another apple. The fruit, if apple is a fruit, fruit of apple is not apple. Fruit of apple is apple tree. When an apple uh, falls and dies, tree comes up. So fruit of apple is apple tree which produces more fruit so if fruit of apple is apple tree fruit of disciple should be disciple tree which is disciple maker that's why i say the fruit of disciple is not another disciple is disciple maker and even worse mistake people make in understanding this the moment you say ask people my friends you can go ahead and uh, ask these questions to the people you are serving Say, what's the fruit of disciple? Lots of time time people will refer to Galatians 5.22. Love, joy, peace, and all that. Well, the scripture begins saying the fruit of the spirit is. So all those nine fruits in Galatians chapter 5.22 and onwards are not the fruit of disciple, but fruit of spirit that we are supposed to have in our life. But fruit of me will be somebody that Uh, grows more me which is the tree so this is answer to another question how long you need to work on a disciple and when do you wean that disciple off the best stage to wean off a disciple is when you see the person has began to make more disciples you can wean her off him off so that's what I was trying to say in that context.
0: Fruit of a disciple is a disciple-maker, not just a disciple. And the analogy of the, the fruit, not just producing fruit, but a, 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 a tree. Now you have gone beyond that, and you have produced orchards. Give us the key from just moving from uh, producing a tree to producing an orchard, which is uh, many reproducing trees... What are some of the keys for movement to go beyond just one stream of generational growth to many streams and, and the, the concept of the orchards that, that are being produced? Yeah, just just uh, from the dot points in your mind.
1: Uh, I'll just uh, try to touch on two dots. One is your harvest is confined by the harvest force. So. Smaller the harvest force you have. Smaller the harvest you have. Greater the harvest force you have. Greater the multiplication of the power of Holy Spirit you have. For example. If you take two pieces of wood. And burn in a fire, fireplace. They might burn. And they'll struggle to burn. Add one more. They'll, earn, uh, they'll burn better. Add five more, they'll, earn much, they, they'll burn much better. When you have a stack of wood, uh, just enough for the fireplace, the fire will multiply. Mm. What happens is, when fire is lit, it sucks the oxygen, converts into lighter gases, which is hot, they go up. Hotter the gas goes up, more the oxygen it will flow in. And more the oxygen comes in, more the fire blasts. So larger the counts of the wood in the stack of the in the fire pit will increase the will multiply the fire. It won't be just one and one, it will just multiply by several times. Similar thing. Can be understood as a spiritual harvest force I am filled with the Holy Spirit, and I move in the power and I have brother Dave now we have two people that are filled with the Holy Spirit. We have fire that is joined, but we, if we had ten people, that fire will multiply several times so when you when you train, empower, release, and continue to mentor. A greater growing harvest force. You are continuing to protect and serve that spontaneous fire. That's one. These have got to be intentionally trained, not just trained. An educated man that has studied in engineering becomes an engineer. This is a fundamental fact. But, if you want to boil it down to the reality, this engineer could not repair his car, he couldn't get his car started, although he is an engineer, because he is a civil engineer. A civil engineer will not be able to handle his car. Uh, Similarly, an electric engineer cannot handle construction of a bridge. So all these engineers have been intentionally trained in a specific field. So your harvest force being trained is not enough. It's got to be specifically trained for that movement. So once that is specialized and trained, they will perform. The civil engineers will build more construction. They, they'll take over construction projects very successfully. And you see city coming up in the end so one of the keys is to build the harvest force and one of the biggest mistakes people do is after training you you release and then let them go whoever said after training you abandon them abandoning the trainees is the biggest mistake we can make we need to uh, create something after the design and pattern of alumni, after you train them, release them, but still keep them as a group, uh, make them remain connected, and uh, you turn out to be a mentor to them. Ask right questions. Pour whatever the timely message Holy Spirit has for you, to you, for them. You are never released from this ministry. Second thing, which should have been the primary, is the leader of the movement, the father or mother of the movement, needs to make sure that he has increased anointing, walks under the increased anointing. I can show you so many illustrations where there was one point man or point woman there was moving under tremendous anointing and Holy Spirit moved over the world, all over the world by this man or woman. But when they slept in the Lord, the whole thing came standstill, came down, ended. I fear that with me. My vision to end my life is before I want to end my life, one thing I so deeply, deeply crave and desire to spend at least six months 24-7 living with a team of at least 25-30 people in prayer mildly eating mostly fasting and spending in time in prayer waiting upon the Lord loving, in the, loving the Lord so once they go out few might phase out, few might Dry out, but few of the Rotary Gilberts will go forward. That's what I would. That's what I aspire to do with my life.
0: Amen. Yeah. I remember you talking about not simply seeing a movement started, but multiplying movements yes. and uh, and uh, seeing that uh, birth. What a what a uh, wonderful conversation as we listen, as we pray as we adopt, we grow. Thank you so much, Roderick. It's just a a deep, deep conversation. Uh, Would you just finish us uh, speaking to the people who are listening, uh, speaking directly to them as they're going about their week, as they're listening to this, driving to work or going for a run or they're just processing how how to do this. What's your exhortation and encouragement to us? I would say anyone that walks
1: in deep communion with the Lord is never defeated. Your victory is at hand. You might already be seeing it or it might be next door, next hour. Your victory is for sure. And you are in the center of the Lord's will. And this is the best Task a human can get involved while living in flesh on this planet where you are involved and what you're doing. And, uh, Brother Dave, thank you so much for reaching out to uh, these dearly, dearly beloved and most precious uh, children of God. And, folks, I'm humbled and much honored to be able to share with you. And, if I have permission, I would like to pray for all. Father, I so thank you for your election and calling in your gifts and more thankful to you because you are never repentant of that. You never take them away from us. Thank you so much, Lord, for calling us from the darkness. We were completely lost, had no hope without you and were worthless. But you have chosen in your grace, have called us out for this enormous privilege of carrying the task that belong to you. Your very task that you have given us. What a privilege. Thank you so much. Lord, I pray for my brethren, for my dear sisters, that you will fill their hearts with acute hunger and thirst for your love and righteousness fill them with hunger and thirst for righteousness and for love to you God lord i pray that you will that they will experience their bowl overflowing bubbling every day with your grace power love and so much more lord, i pray that your hand of protection Remain around them, ministering angels. Always cover them with their feathers. And every plans of enemy, every assignments for their lives remain cancelled in the blood of Jesus. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.